Hi guys, welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. You never know who you will meet when you're dealing with cancer. My guest on this podcast tonight, I met in Texas at a Sisters Network Breast Cancer Walk. I am so glad she is gracing me with her presence and she brought along her husband to share her glow. Take a listen, enjoy, peace. guys welcome to chemo glow where the glow doesn't define me i define the glow my guest tonight is jill and anthony i am so excited that you guys are joining me on my first podcast with husband and wife on a podcast i've done a live but i've never done a podcast so this is going to be interesting so just bear with me (laughs) how are you guys doing Doing good. Doing well. Doing how? What y'all do today? How was your day? I did laundry. (laughs) (laughs) You worked, right? Today is a little house cleaning. Little house cleaning. You have a lovely house. I love the backdrop. Thank you. It's beautiful. Well, Jill and I met twelve years ago in Texas. Tell us what you were doing in Texas at that time. Um, I was there representing the Greensboro chapter of Sisters Network um, at their uh, leadership conference. Okay. And um, at the end of the leadership conference was the walk. Okay. And um, that's where you and I met. Um, I, I, I think we met actually before the walk, though. Right before and the night, walk. Uh, yeah, night the night before. And mm-hmm. um, we all hooked up. Um, and you were from the Durham, Durham chapter. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, the president and vice president had to leave on emergency. So I was left alone. And um, yeah, then, so I, that's how I got hooked up with uh, Val. And uh-huh. I just kind of hung out with you guys for the rest of the trip. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah. That was interesting. Cause at that time I was finishing up chemo yeah. and I could barely walk. And you guys were so gracious to yeah. let, I don't know how long it took us. But it took us I, a I long was time. I for the stops. Yes, it took us a long time. And we celebrated every single moment of it. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. But before yeah. we start talking about it, I just wanted the audience to know where we met and how long we've known each other. I want you guys to tell me a little bit about how you guys met. Almost <laughs> how many years ago? 30. 30. 30. So- Oh my goodness. So you guys have been married almost close to 30 years. It'll be 30 years in April. And uh, we met uh, while we were both serving in the uh, Gulf War and Desert Storm. We met in Saudi Arabia. We married only 30 days after knowing each other. We married in uh, Manama, Bahrain. Uh huh. And um, yeah, we've been married ever since. Oh my so goodness. That is a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah. So meeting while you're on active duty, where did you come from from there? So you were active duty. Where did y'all move back to? Originally, uh, Jill was stationed in her home station was in Missouri while I was stationed in Germany. And so I left the war early going back to Germany. And she was I left on May the 10th. And she returned to Missouri later that summer. 
And then we had to do paperwork and let mm-hmm. the army know we had gotten married and all that. And I think it was in the fall of uh, 1991 that she mm-hmm. showed up in Germany. Oh, oh, so you spent your first time in Germany together. I was in Germany as an army. You couldn't call us army brats because it was eight of us. So, you, you, yeah, you can't be a brat with eight children. <laughs> I'm a twin. That's a survival ship, honey. <laughs> it is. It is. It prepared me for the twins that I have now. So it's a little crazy over here in this household. But we were stationed in Germany for a brief moment, and then we moved back to the States where we moved to the Carolinas. What brought you to the Carolinas? Retirement. Retirement? Uh, I, was, I was pastoring a church while I was on active duty in um Massachusetts, and we started considering the cost of retiring there mm-hmm. compared to North Carolina. And uh, we had visited here. Uh, Jill's had roots here with her uh, parents. And um, so we, we were familiar with Greensboro. So we um, won, I think, a couple Thanksgiving in 2007. Mm-hmm. We made a trip down here um, and then we looked around at some homes and saw the prices and that kind of got us leaning in the direction of Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina is much cheaper to retire in. North Carolina and Florida. Those are two spots. We always thought that we would retire in Massachusetts because he's actually from Worcester, Mass, and I'm from Cambridge, which is just 40 some miles apart. Um, So we were excited when we realized we were from the same state and so close. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we were excited that we would retire there. But luckily, that was our last duty station. And we realized we could not afford to live there. Completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. So you guys moved to, to the Carolinas. How many kids do you have? Two. We have um, our son, Isaiah, is 25. He'll be 26 in, in, um, in about six weeks. Mm-hmm. And our daughter, um, Alexandria, she is 27. 27. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. So when you guys, you have your roots, you're in the Carolinas, life is going the way you think it should go. And what happens that brings you to this world of cancer? Well, we had, we arrived, um, we moved into the house July of 2008 and we went home for Christmas and we had like the best vacation, best Christmas ever. Mm-hmm. But while we were there, I felt a lump and um, he agreed it was something. He felt like it was something too. So we went when I got back and like I, we'd only been there six months. So I hadn't gotten a doctor yet, you know, mm-hmm. just didn't have any of that established. So I had to get that established when I got, you know, came back in January and um, the ball got rolling. I went to a, um, a OB and she said, yeah, it feels like something. So then I went and had a mammogram done. They saw something and I uh, immediately had a biopsy and um, they had found something suspicious on the other side. So when they went to do the um, biopsy on the left side, it uh, immediately aspirated. So it was a, it was a cyst. Mm-hmm. And, um, then they biopsied the right side and they were like, they, that's where they found the cancer on the right side. Okay. And hearing that um, from your wife, that she has cancer, how did that affect you as a husband, as a provider, as a caretaker? 
Um, she called me at work. Uh, I was at work when she called me to give me the, you know, the diagnosis was the biopsy was positive and I didn't know what was next. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was a couple of weeks that we didn't know what would be, what the process was. So I was trying to go to work. I was getting used to, I just started a new job. Um, and I didn't know anything about my new job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was trying to juggle both. The kids seemed to be okay. They were going to school. I checked on them. They did, They said, Chad, we're just doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they realized the serious nature of cancer. Um, and I didn't know what to tell them. But it was it was a load to take on. I spent many days driving to work uh, after she started the process, mm-hmm. driving to work, crying on the way to work. And then I teach school. So I had to get myself together before I go into the building. And um, people were asking, how can you be here when your your wife is going through that? I said, I have to pay bills. I just took out a mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, everything. We're new here. Um, one of the best things that happened is that we had just joined a church and the people, some of the people that were in the church lived in our neighborhood. So they made a list of uh, people to come and help us do laundry, feed us, um, watch Jill. Um, times when I couldn't go to the appointments, a few mm-hmm. people went with her. I tried to make most of the appointments, though. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a lot to take on. Um, I think, and I the last thing I wanted to say was when we talked to the oncologist and he mm-hmm. went over all of these notes, this is what's going on, X, Y, Z. And I'm still waiting. Are you going to tell us if you can cure her or, you know, what? And when he finally got to those words, I exhaled, you know. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. That yeah. was my biggest thing. I was like, so what stage? What stage? And it was like, we just got you in here, but what stage? I could not, um, could not think until I heard the the words. Mm-hmm. So when you were diagnosed, how old were you at the 43. time? 43. So 43. Have you had a mammogram before then? I'd had two. Okay. So and, you had and, two. And, and the oncologist said I'd had breast cancer for at least two years. Really? So it should have showed up on the, you know, your first one is always your baseline. Yeah. Um, so it should have showed up on the second one. But, and I, and, and in the end, I did find out that I have very dense breasts. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a factor as well as, you know, do I, why it wasn't picked up. Yeah. Um, so your treatment consisted of Ooh. what? Um, I, I did um, 18 months of chemotherapy. That's, in, that includes a 12, 12 months of um, Herceptin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, um, radiation, uh, daily treatments for six weeks. And then I did, um, I had a radical right side mastectomy mm-hmm. and two years later I decided to do reconstruction. Okay. So you waited two years as well. Cause yeah. I waited a little over two years. And during that time of the wait time, Anthony, how was that for you? Um, Knowing that that was a decision that you guys would talk about, um, how did that work for you, knowing that there was another surgery that possibly could be happening? I tried to leave it up to Jill 
mm-hmm. because I know how she is and I, I didn't want to steer her into a decision um, in any of her surgeries. I was just there to support her. I remember going to when she decided to get the mastectomy that um, we went to, we were trying to do it locally here in Greensboro, but my insurance didn't work with any of the doctors. And then they referred us, we had to go to UNC Chapel Hill. And that was just, that was a lot to go there. And uh, I don't even remember making arrangements to leave the kids that day. Uh And, um, one of our friends brought the children down in the evening after the surgery was over. Okay. And I, I felt like I must have blacked out that I didn't even think about the kids that mm-hmm. day. I just thought they would keep rolling along. Alex was in 10th grade and Isaiah was in eighth grade. So they weren't babies, you know? Yeah. And um, the, the, the neighbor that brought them, we had just met them. We didn't really even know them. Mm-hmm. And so that was very moving and touching for us. It was just a sign that we moved to the right community. We were just talking about that when I was scheduling this with you. You were like, okay, the kids are gone. We have this house, but the community and community it makes a difference. Um, I understand moving to a new um, place because I was in Charlotte when I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. planning my wedding. He was mm-hmm. in Durham. We met in Hawaii. So here we are planning this wedding and I had to move to Durham. I didn't know anybody in Durham. Yeah. And apparently he didn't know anybody in Durham either. So I won't say all oh, men don't, you know, have friends, but he had a couple of friends from um from college, but we didn't know anybody intimately that we could be like, hey, this is going on. So that's mm-hmm. a lot to take on as a husband. And then all of a sudden you have all of this help and yeah. you're kind of like, wow. Yeah. Like my husband well, was so, very surprised. Yeah. That that was so important. And it, was, it, it, it just helped us so much. You just don't realize what I remember you know, the kids um, very rarely, hardly ever miss the school bus. But there's one particular morning they missed the school bus. And I just happened to have enough strength to get to the window and, you know, watch them walk to the bus stop and watch them come back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in the window looking at them and they're coming back and they were like, we missed the bus. Three of my neighbors popped out and were like, all three of them were like fighting to take them to school. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. That so, is amazing. Your community, your church, you mentioned your church family. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. We went, I think we had been at that church for two weeks when we found out. We kind, we knew that she was going to get this examination. Uh-huh. We, we entered, you know, you know how church, they say, are there any new members? And we mm-hmm. raised our hand. We went through that process. And um, immediately, two weeks later, I'm asking the pastor who I've never met intimately, you know, mm-hmm. to, can you help us? And they had, um, they were very coordinated. They had uh, by alphabetical, somebody was assigned to us and they came over and um, the pastor and another minister came over and prayed with us. And then the people, the adoption team that was assigned to us got with us. And then it was just rolling after that. You know? oh, and you don't realize it when you're, you know, when you're, when it's introduced to you, how well that machine is oiled. And so you're like, you're worrying about, you know, like, 
this is going to, I'm going to need this or this is going to, and they have it covered. So it was, you know, it, it really is just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I can't even explain how, how much it meant to us. It, it's, it's so important that people understand that when you're going through treatment, you just mentioned 18 months, 12 months, and then the recovery time from that, and yeah. then going through the process and being able to even walk to the window to make sure your kids get on the bus because the medicine that they're giving you, that mm-hmm. chemo almost brings you, well, it brings you to your knees. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're on your way out the door because of it. Yep. And the community comes in and steps in and not just supports you, your husband and your children. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Like yes. I'm tearing up now. <laughs> we know how important that is. And my husband was so surprised that the community in Charlotte, the community in Durham, my family in Fedville, they were all right there at the door. And I don't know about you guys, but I we were kind of private at first because I didn't know anybody. I didn't know who to trust. So I started to look for support groups. And that's how I got connected to the Sisters Network because every support group I went to, everybody was like 65 and over. And I was 36 mm-hmm. and you know newly married and thinking about children. And so I had to find the right support group. And at that time, mm-hmm. it was the Sisters Network. So how actively involved were you in the Sisters Network? Well, originally, I I didn't get involved until after I'd finished treatment and everything, Mm -hmm. Um, which is one reason why I do what I do, because when I went through treatment, I didn't go through with like a positive attitude. Mm -hmm. I was really depressed. I was angry. Um, I was offered different services and things, and I was offended. I was like, no, I'm going through this. You know, leave me alone. You know, you know. I would be mad when the girl next to me, when we're, you know, both getting the same treatment and she's going to hop off to yoga after. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, the wheelchair, like, <laughs> I would be so angry. But then I didn't realize that, you know, your attitude really does matter. Okay. And those programs and those things that they offer you, they work. Because I work. saw them work with other women after, you know, after the fact for mm-hmm. me. So my thing has been, okay, so... Now, my thing is, I've got to make sure that every woman that I meet who's getting ready to go through that understands that, you know, these are these programs and these things are available and 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 they are beneficial. But I didn't get with Sisters Network until I I, I might have still been on Herceptin. I might have been on mm-hmm. the tail end of Herceptin, but um, I don't. I, and I don't recall how I got hooked up with Sisters Network, how I found out about them. But I do remember the first night I was going to go to the meeting and, and it was literally like maybe their third or fourth meeting. And it mm-hmm. got it got um, canceled. And I was so disappointed because I was so excited that I was going to meet, you know, other women who were um, of like minded that, I you know, been through what I had gone through. And um, I was so disappointed. But then when the next month came and. Uh, you know, I met with them and, and they were all older, but mm-hmm. still I was just excited and happy to be, you know, with people who understood, with women, black women who understood, you know, me and, and what yeah. I was going through. Because the Sisters Network is the only um, 
breast cancer support African American. Yes. Mm -hmm. There you go. And I was looking for that. And a lot of the individuals that were there, they were older, but Talanya, the one that they connected me with, And that's the one that, you, you know, she, she went with the me, best of friends, yeah. the best of friends. She's the godmother to um, my girls and her mother is their grandmother. You can't tell them anything different, but that connection. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to you talking about being angry because that was me. Mm-hmm. I was angry um, at the world and, and then, um, at one point, I told my husband I was angry with God, and my husband says, well, be angry, but God's going to win. And I was just like, I don't <laughs> want to hear it. <laughs> and yeah, I I just, I'm a, at that point, I was a planner. I mean, I still am somewhat, mm-hmm. but back then I was like, you know, like lists, you yep. know, and we had planned everything out because we knew he was retiring. We'd taken all, care of all our financial stuff. We knew that, you know, this this is what we were going to be doing, this, this, this. And January, you know, we we moved here in July. So I had six months to get the house decorated, do all the, you know, stuff I wanted to do. And then in January, the plan was for me to get a job Mm -hmm. and then start working. And but instead, in January, I got a diagnosis of breast cancer. So I was so mad that two things. The water bill wasn't what I expected it to be. (laughs) All of my research and planning, (laughs) it tripled when we got here. Mm -hmm. And then I was like diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was like, why? You know, like why? You know, all of my planning, you know, this wasn't part of the plan. Like Mm -hmm. where did this come from? And and why me? You know, and not necessarily why me? Because I've been through some stuff and I've never really been one to say, well, why me? Mm -hmm. I just fight through it. But that was like, I felt like I had gotten to the point in life where, okay, I've gone through all of the hurt, harm, pain, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, God has really just been with our family and he's blessing me to be happy now. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't understand like, why, why, why cancer? Why am I going through cancer? But as we talk, you'll understand, you'll see my lesson, the plan God had for me. Exactly. Uh, Like for me, my brother passed away. Then shortly after my Mm -hmm. father passed away Mm and shortly after my mom passed away. And during that time, I didn't know that uh, I didn't understand this thing that I call the glow now. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, the church family that I'd seen um, for my mother, it kind of pushed me away on her mm-hmm. deathbed. They were um, coming by to get her tides. They were coming by um, to get her to write that last check. So I had a thing about church folks, which you can, I know you can, I was so happy when she said you'd be on because I had to find out that not all people Mm-hmm. Are, are like that. And we have to look at, you know, your spirituality, what works for you. So let's talk about that real quick. Because um, you, you're, you, you said you're a pastor, right? Yes. All right. And you just received your PhD. Yes. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your experience with um, your spirituality going through this. You guys have gone through some ups and some downs and now here you are in your happy side and you're a planner and that water bill wasn't supposed <laughs> to be like that. So tell me, how do you handle that? 
Well, I I just remember going to um, work every day. Uh, I was crying all 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 the time going mm -hmm. to work, and then one day I was looking at the traffic, and I was rec I was recognizing there are accidents every day. Yeah. And I said, I could be crying about what Jill's going through and what I'm going through because of that and get in an accident. And that would be the end of me, you mm -hmm. know? So it's just that one day I woke up and I said, I did, I have to stop crying. I mm -hmm. mean, there are other things that could happen to me. I had my own medical issues that I was dealing with. So I wised up on that. Um, cancer, actually made me more spiritual. I started going to church service every Sunday morning at seven, just for prayer. There might only be three people there, but <laughs> I was going to be there. Uh, and that kept me kind of my sanity, you know, and um, because Jill, when she was going through the, the chemo, she would be down from Monday until Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'd come home I knew when I turned that last corner before I could see the house that I had to, you know, get myself together because she's going to be sitting on the porch. Her eyebrows are gone. Mm -hmm. She got her scarf on. Her hair is gone. And she's going to need my strength. So mm -hmm. I had to, you know, I had to wise up. And I had my theology changed because um, we left when we left the church in Boston. You know, I was on a high note. I mm -hmm. was, you know, I was like. I paid above my tithes the whole time I was here and I'm blessed and highly favored. And um, I made a donation to the church before I left and y'all are going to get new air conditioners and all of this. Mm -hmm. So I rode off into the sunset and it, within six months, my whole world was upside down. And when we would walk into the, get her chemo treatments, uh, I remember the second week I was had her by the arm and I almost fainted because I just, just to go in that room and sit there. Um, her first dose, when they said, um, I'm about to unleash an army inside of you. And wow. when, you know, when she had the diagnosis, she was still Jill. Yeah. You know, until that dose of chemo. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And when she, when they put the IV in and they put the medicine in, she turned white as a ghost and I didn't have that Jill anymore. You mm -hmm. know, that she was that Jill was gone. And um, later on, I mean, for my faith, that was really trying. But I think I grew a lot. Um, my theology definitely changed. I don't mess around. With it, you know, and just I just don't I don't cut any corners. I'm just mm -hmm. like what it is. You can get sick. You can die. Mm -hmm. You have faith and you, you must cherish each day. And, you know live the best life you can, basically. I appreciate you being so honest because I used to tell my husband, I can hear him when he takes that deep breath to come into the room. Because mm -hmm. that Monday through Thursday, I'm out. But he would take a deep breath and then he'll come in the room and he doesn't look like I know he's feeling in the inside. Yes. And so I don't know about you, Jill, but it took everything for me to put a scarf on my head, be ready for when they came into the door. You know, I'd be like, OK, I, was, I used to set my watch about 30 minutes before I knew that he would be home just so I could just be out the bed. 
And so that was difficult on both ends because we're we're trying to be who we were, but we understand that we're no longer in that same place we were before we heard those words. Right. And then it's interesting to hear you say, Anthony, that it wasn't until that moment that they gave the, you know, I'm about to unleash a whole army in here, right? Yes. You hear that and then you realize that this is truly a moment that's going to change your change your life. Yes. Right. So that that is so difficult to go through, but I really appreciate your honesty. Did you know that, Jill? That's how he was feeling. Yeah, because we've talked about it a lot since. Um, okay. We've had lots of conversations with people. Um, and, you know, and, and granted, every time we do discuss it, it's like a look, the doors open a little more, a little more, a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was it was tough. It was tough. It was tough. I felt like I was hit with a baseball bat. That was the way I described the whole thing. I, I felt like, God, you just hit me in the stomach with a baseball bat and it's you didn't take it out. You just left the bat there. And that's yeah. the way I went through that first 10 months. So the first 10 months, kids in school, um, new place. You haven't started working yet. I was one of those women that went to yoga, <laughs> let them clean my house. Because <laughs> I was so mad. First of all, I had only been in my, and at that time it was my fiance's house because we lived in separate homes. We did the whole courting thing. Like mm. we did this whole thing. And then when I got there, I think it was three days. And I was like, why am I still here? Because the most I've ever spent was maybe three days a weekend. But even then, I'm going home. We truly did this whole doing it right. Right. We were yes. doing it right. 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 And then I still had a house in Sharda. Like, I don't care if it's empty. <laughs> I need to go home. I want to go home. I couldn't realize that that my life, how much it was going to change at that time. Mm-hmm. So his house, which is was our house, when they asked for somebody to come clean, and I was like, yep. When I could get out because I didn't know anybody, I said, yeah. I was sitting there like a bump on the log because, you know, chemo and all those good yeah. things. Um, I say good things because at the end of the day, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. And that's a beautiful thing. But you talked about now that you know about the stuff that's out there and having that positive attitude. What has happened since you guys going through cancer, going through chemo, um, recovering from that? What's next? What's happened in your life since then? Anything test you? A a lot. We've... um... In in 2012, I met my birth mother for the first time. I found out who she was and met her for mm-hmm. the first time. And that was pretty dramatic. Um, that, w- that was a time mm-hmm. to of discovery and kind of closure on a door that had been just nagging me for all my life. Um, what else? I mean, we've had a lot of joy, too. We've had a lot, a lot, a lot of joy, a lot of great things. We travel. We love to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to go to Martha's Vineyard um, every summer. And um, 
the, I mean, the kids have done wonderful things. Our daughter, as you know, graduated from the Naval Academy and yes. is now studying at Harvard. Um, our son went in the military as well, um, Army. He's driving trucks now. Uh-huh. I mean, it's funny because in the Army, I was a truck driver and I went into the Army at 24 years old. And when he was, he started driving trucks at 24 years old himself. And I have a picture of him in, it, in the truck. And I said, Isaiah, I want you to take the same picture of me in the desert in my truck. And the door uh-huh. was open. And I said, I want you to take the same picture. And I, so I could have them side by side. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Your kids, they are. You talk about them often. Um, I feel like I know your daughter. I'm <laughs> so excited that um, she's going to Harvard. And, and I know you guys are both proud of both of your children. During this time, how did they handle cancer? Because at first, you know, you say, hey, we're fine. But then they start to see mommy um, look a little different. Daddy might be a little bit more stressed even though you're trying to hide it well? Yeah, Yeah, two things. Um, One is that I quickly learned that everything that I had taught them kicked in. And it was crazy because a week before, I would tell my son to clean the bath, clean his bathroom. And of course, he wasn't doing it to the standard. (laughs) But a week later, after I'm, you know, I've gone through, now they're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. doing it the way I, been asking them to do it all their lives. Um, And then the other thing was that looking back, and this is so heartbreaking for me, looking back at all the pictures, and I don't have too many pictures of of us back then. There, I just have a few, because I lost a laptop that had all the pictures from during that time. Every single picture, you can see the sadness on our face. You know, we may be smiling, but it's not our real smiles. Mm -hmm. And it's so heartbreaking when I see them. Because I can see the pain Mm -hmm. on the kids, Anthony, myself, the people that we're with. We have some friends. They live in Florida now, but um, they used to live in New York. They came down and spent some time with us. We had lots of friends that came from out of town, family that came from out of town to spend time with us to help, you know, help Anthony out, give him a break. And even then in the joy that of the time that we spent with them and was right smack dab in the middle of my treatment, even then all of our, even you can see it on all of our faces, just, you know, we're smiling, but you can see the pain. You can just see it. Yes. That's the whole point of the glow. When my mom was sick, she would have to try and be her best at that time when people would come visit. But you mm-hmm. would see how they were looking at her and how she was um, trying to be present. But the chemo had um, taken its toll. Mm-hmm. And during that time that I was sick, I didn't take a lot of pictures because yeah. I remembered that. Yeah. Um, and I was very, very like didn't want to try to be in the same position my mother was in Mm -hmm. as far as I knew when somebody seen, they would see me, they would have this look about them. Mm -hmm. And I, and I understand they don't know what to say, 
but it kind of breaks your heart a little bit too when you Mm -hmm. see that but then it brings you joy that they they're here they're helping you clean they're taking care of your kids they're doing all these things but you know they're there for this reason Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it affects the way you feel Mm -hmm. so I totally get that and um, I I feel like during the time of going through for me though and this is how I've always processed things Mm -hmm. I don't realize the depth of what I'm going through I'm just like maintaining, you know, just surviving, getting through. Mm -hmm. And it's not until far after, and I look back and I hear stories or I look at pictures and I think about things and I talk to, like, I didn't realize how, um, a a couple of years ago, I did a 10 year survivorship party and my sister spoke and I didn't realize how it affected her. Yeah. I didn't realize, you know, how, how it was for her to come to come down here to help me, but how it affected her to see me. And she described how she saw me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I never even visualized. I never imagined that. I never thought about that. Um, another young lady from sisters network was, you know, she was one of the interns for um, sisters network did a, had to do a video project and she actually interviewed um, Isaiah and myself and Isaiah was saying that, you know, and he, he, this was a few years after he was saying he wished he took it more seriously and understood, but I mean, he was in the eighth grade, ninth yeah. grade, you know, and he's a boy. So yeah. he's really like sixth grade mentality. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but I, I appreciate the fact of him looking back and saying, I wish I had taken it more seriously. I wish that I had done more to help her. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he acknowledges and he sees that, you know, what it was really, how serious it really was. And looking back on the time when you were going through treatment, you talked about, you know, the programs that were out there. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now to define your glow in a different way? Well, <laughs> the whole diagnosis full circle because um, not knowing what I would be doing because um, I stayed home to raise the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got out the military when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, mainly, and I wanted to ride it out. I wanted to ride my pregnancy out in the military. Um, cause I just, I really did enjoy being in the military. I knew I would get out once I had her. I didn't expect to get out, you know, like just after I found out I was pregnant with her, but I, again, I was a truck driver. And, um, when you're a private or a specialist, I was just an E4, mm-hmm. um, you don't really have any say. And I was you know, required to go to the, what we call the field. That meant mm-hmm. I had to travel, drive a deuce and a half, which is a huge dump truck. That's like, and I was like, I'm, I'm, it took me two years to get pregnant. I'm not going to get in a car and, and, and I mean a truck that, you know, is going to jiggle me like this for, you know, I don't know how many hours. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, and then working in the motor pool too, because you spend a lot of time in the motor pool with the fumes and the gas and all that. And then there was a young lady who was on the same pregnancy track as me. We would do days apart. She was a mechanic. I was a truck driver and she stayed and she worked and her book, she went full term and her son was born. He was stillborn. Oh, wow. And, and I never got to see her when she, you know, I, I remember when she went in to go have the baby cause I had just had Alex and i never saw her after that. Cause you know, we were overseas in Berlin and they rush you right out. 
you know, they, they, they sent her, you know, wherever she wanted to go, she could go because of the loss, you know, her and her husband. Uh-huh. So I, I was just appreciative that I made the decision to leave. But um, I, like I said, I stayed home with the kids. I did some volunteering. I, I volunteered a lot in their schools. Yeah, I was that helicopter mom. I, I, the, the little jobs that I had would be on their schedule. So it would be in their school. Um, I, you know, they had me draw the line. Like I couldn't do Girl Scouts with her. I could only drop her off. You know, uh-huh. they did the music. They, you know, I had them in everything, soccer, everything. Um, Anthony, so- I now understand how you said, I know how my wife is. <laughs> so it's all yeah. making sense. So go so ahead. I, we, you know, after, um, I forgot chemo brain. That, I, hey, we're right here. You were well, the helicopter mom. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was volunteering, and um, and then it 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 turned into uh, they were starting to get older, and they didn't need me much as much, and. You know, then they needed me less and less. He was sad when that happened. Oh my gosh, I was like, "Well, you know what? They were my life." Yeah, for years. You know, it was like that's all. And and so God said, "You know what? I'm about to show you what. You know, you don't understand. You're not going to understand this right now. But I'm putting you on a path that's going to take you to where you're going to be." And that meant I had to go through breast cancer. The whole treatment, I mean, you know, some people just have, um, might have just a lumpectomy and then radiation. Some might just have a lumpectomy and not do anything. And some may have a mastectomy, but I had to go through it all mm-hmm. in preparation for the work that I would, why I would be doing. So um, when I went through treatment at the cancer center here, I was just so impressed and so pleased with everybody and everything that I wanted to give back. And so I started volunteering at the cancer center. I, I started as an, as an alike, not, a, it wasn't a like guide, um, reach to recovery program with the American cancer society. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Melissa Vogel singer, who was, um, the executive director of a light, the light foundation. And, um, then the program switched over to, uh, from the American Cancer Society, and I was volunteering with the American Cancer Society, and then it switched over to, because um, I then I and then I started volunteering with the Alight Foundation, volunteering at the cancer center at the desk mm-hmm. um, for breast cancer uh, for the breast center, and uh, then they created a position, literally created a position for me with the Alight Foundation, and uh, that was in 2013. And um, I've been with them ever since. And what I do is um, we help assist newly diagnosed breast cancer patients. Um, So I started out as a mentor Mm -hmm. and um, mentoring newly diagnosed breast cancer patients. And I would be matched with somebody who um, was going to have kind of close to the same treatment plan as myself, Mm -hmm. um, diagnosis, and um, just kind of call them, share my personal story with them, let them ask me questions because the oncologist as, as, inf- as informative as my oncologist was, yes. he still can't tell me everything. And someone who's a woman who's been through it can tell you a lot more, share a lot more of the day-to-day things, uh, real personal, deep things. And um, things like questions that, you know, my oncologist just can't answer, you know? 
Oncologist, husband, sister, those things that they can't relate to because they haven't been in the midst of it. Now, they've been in the midst of the storm with you, but they wasn't in it where it was rotating around you. So did you see a change in her attitude like after she started volunteering and she's now found her way? And No, I would I would say her her change began as soon as they took her off of the chemo um, because she, once she didn't go through that Monday to Thursday thing, mm. she was up and gone and she didn't stop moving for a few years. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> she was planning our vacation. She was doing. And I think at that time is when I first noticed chemo brain. Mm. And I was telling, uh, I'll give you an example. She was always the planner plan the vacation, when it starts, when it stops, when we need to be off of the ferry, all, all of that. And then she, she started missing dates, you know, mm-hmm. or she would tell us the plan and how we're going, but she wouldn't tell us when we're coming back. She said, you don't need to know that now. And then mm-hmm. I would try to pry it out of her and she wouldn't tell me. And I was sharing that with the kids. It was like, oh, daddy, you're just crazy. I was like, no, for real. We don't know when we're going down. <laughs> and then when it impacted them, I started using the term chemo brain before I heard it from a medical staff. Mm-hmm. So I said she wasn't like this until the chemo. And then, you know, after she was up in this volunteer stage, I went to a couple of the seminars that they held at Cone with the doctor staff and it came up as a topic and I just wanted to jump out of my seat and say, I know I can tell you. (laughs) That was my husband. We were at um, um, cancer transitions, I think with UNC and I kept, I couldn't explain it. So it was like, I can't explain where this fog is. And so when they started talking about it, I was like, see, it is real. It's real. Like I'm looking at him. It's real. He was like, I got it. I got it. But uh, but the realness of the side effects that they yes. mentioned to you, but when you experience them, you have to figure out, is this what they were talking about or is something else wrong with me? Mm-hmm. So I always have that. Is something going on that's not supposed to be going on? Um, all those things affect the way you live your life. But once your partner knows, okay, that's that's part of it. That's it's important. easier to understand, right? That's very important for I don't I don't think there's anything for the men to, you know, I I learned on the on the fly what was happening. Just like when Jill was discharged after surgery, I didn't know that she had these things connected to her. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody told me that. They gave me a piece of paper, a bag of medicines, this particular pill, Mr. Berry, if she's acting kind of out of it, she needs to take this. <laughs> and Jill was had counted in her own mind, I'm only taking these, 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 no pain pills. Mm-hmm. And uh, we bought a chair and put in the room because she wanted me in the room all the time. She didn't want me to go out of the room. So I got a recliner. I slept in that recliner. It's in there to this day. Um, but I was trying to trick her to take this pill. She was hallucinating. Mm-hmm. I was gone and everything. And she was like, what are you doing? Where, you know, and I was like, I need to get her to take that pill. Now yeah, I know yeah. what they're talking about. 
Yeah. And so I told her, I lied to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, <"Eat> <laughs> when she took it and she settled down, I got in the chair. I was like, oh my God, thank God that works. <laughs> but, I mean, and you can't tell those stories to anyone, you know, it just, it would be unbelievable, you know. Yeah. My husband would get it because I thought that the fire um, alarm was a disco ball. <laughs> so I was dancing like at two of the boarding and he was just like what is wrong with you or I would fight skeletons he was like what is wrong you cannot so the side effects are so real and as a husband trying to figure it out because my husband was like he was giving me my meds at the time he wanted to make sure that I stayed even keel because you know your side effects and you're seeing your wife go through this right mm-hmm. but you're also trying to make sure okay how can I get through this right because was there any support groups for you no I was kind of um when a few of our friends found out they came from long distance Florida New York Massachusetts but they didn't know what questions to ask. And it, it made the room, the the mood in the house very thick while they were here. And I'm trying to prepare fruit and do this and keep a smile on my face and um, avoid conversations with them so I wouldn't cry. Mm-hmm. And so there was no one, they couldn't help me because they didn't know what I was really going through. And I didn't want them to pray for me. You know, I'm already doing that. I don't mm-hmm. want to go bear my emotions to you. So I was kind of like, I was happy when people left. Yeah. Really. I, I was happy that I can handle me decompressing in my office at the house or mm-hmm. something. And that was easier than having people come over and want to stay and think that can comfort you. You remind me of someone I live with right now. <laughs> <laughs> I always, you know, he was like, I love that they're here, but Goodness, when you get that peace of mind and that quiet, because not only, Jill, I don't know if this was true for you, um, you have to be aware of your surroundings. So does your husband, right? And you never have that moment to stop because after they're done talking to Jill or helping Jill, now they're coming over to see how you're doing. And it's this awkward conversation or silence going on. Or then we're just talking about nothing. My husband doesn't do small talk very well. So he's just like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I was going through uh, school also. Mm-hmm. When we when when I retired, I was finishing up my bachelor's and um, Jill couldn't go to the my graduation. And uh I was in my last class when we got here and yeah. I went to graduation. So she was in, you know, chemo, her hair is gone. And so that May I went, I took the kids and we went and it was just, I was so sad when I should have been happy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just remember the, the, someone at the school, I don't know, one of the officials was giving me this little motivational talk. And I had just said, I'm here, but my wife couldn't make it. Because he has breast cancer. And he said, so what's next for you? And I was like, did you just hear what I said? I don't want any cake. I don't want anything. Let's go, kids. (laughs) And it's like some people ask you how you doing, but they don't hear what you said. They move to the next thing, right? 
Right. Do you not hear that I just said my wife is doing through cancer, how it makes me feel that she can't make it, right? right? Those things really do affect you. And they affect your home life. They affect your children. And you guys still have to, I'm not going to say suck it up because we. it feels like we're sucking it up, but we're really just coasting. Yeah. Right, just right, trying right. to be present, right? Yeah, so we're right, just trying right. to be present. And then you had um I remember when I seen it um on social media about your accident. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's three years just exactly three years ago. Oh wow. Yeah, Tell January, us a little bit about that. January twentieth, two thousand and eighteen. I was he had gone up to Boston to help Alex um move into a new apartment. He had just gone for the weekend. I think he went for like a long weekend and um, it was a Sunday. So I was surprising my girlfriend in Hillsboro uh, for her birthday to um, surprise her at church. Just, you know, just kind of surprise her and show up at church. And um, it was great. We had a great service. She was happily surprised. And then when I was leaving and I wasn't familiar with the area at all and I was leaving and um, I ran a stop sign that just popped up that and I was driving 65 miles an hour and I T-boned another vehicle and both of us, both of our vehicles rolled down an embankment and um, God was with me, honey, because I had the, the, I had the peace of mind, the thought of mind to, even with all of my injuries, because the car landed on the passenger's side and I was in the, you know, I was in the driver's side, still locked in my seatbelt. So I, that military kicked in and I was like, okay, I checked my surroundings, turn the radio down, check my surroundings. Um, I was trying to figure out how am I going to get out of the car, not realizing the bones I had broken. Um, and I knew I didn't, I've never been a physically strong person. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wouldn't be able to like lift my car door open. Cause I would have had to lift it straight up. So I said, Oh, let me open the sunroof. And um, so, because the sunroof was like right here. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, let me check, make sure the electric's still working. So I opened the sunroof. I, and when I, I opened the sunroof and I undid my seatbelt and I dropped down to the passenger side. And then I saw my leg was broke. Mm-hmm. I had a, a compound fracture. So you could see the bone. And um, so I put, I had my coat, my, because this was January, it was ice, snow on the ground. So I just put it over my lap because I couldn't bear seeing it. And I kind of, and then I call, I tried calling my girlfriend at church. She didn't answer her phone. And then, I mean, I still had the presence of mind to say, I had two people I could call, my friend Renee or my friend Samara. Samara lived across the street from me. Renee lived a little little ways from me. And I said, who can get on the 85 the quickest and get here? And I said, Samara. So I called Samara because I knew he was, you know, in Boston. Mm -hmm. And and so I called her. And by the time I called her, the adrenaline started to kind of, dropped down and, and I was, you know, then getting, you know, shaky and nervous mm-hmm. and she was asking questions and I couldn't. And by that time people were starting to come, um, all these people from the, um, community that were volunteer, you know, firefighters and, and paramedics. And I mean, it just, all that just kind of was a whirlwind. And then you can talk about how you got. Yeah, I had just come from church and I was waiting. I had a one o'clock, two o'clock flight from mm-hmm. Boston back to Carolina's. We got the call from, I think, Samara, and it was like, Jill's been in an accident. We're leaving. Bye. And I was like, what just happened? What? And um, No, your flight was for that night. 
Yeah, it was for seven at night, and yeah. I got it changed to two. Okay. So I was, I was, I felt like I was being calm, and my daughter said, she kept saying, "Calm down, Daddy, calm down." I was like, "I am calm." <laughs> I was trying to get my flight changed. They went my And oh. fortunately, I had flown out of Raleigh, so my car was at the Raleigh Durham Airport because I was at Duke. And, oh, uh, okay. So yeah, I was I, in Duke trauma. Yeah, wasn't that as soon as I got out of the off the plane? She was still in the ER when I got there, and um, our, our neighbors were there. She was on some meds, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I looked at her leg, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And you know, when they finally transitioned her to a room, and they just kept coming in, specialist after specialist, telling her, "Not only did your ankle broke, your your hip is broken." You got some broken ribs. Your finger is broken. This is, and I was like, oh my God, you know, and uh, she was in a lot of pain and um, it was just a lot. It was, it was a lot. I couldn't, it was like getting hit with that baseball bat again in the stomach. All over again. I was like, why? I thought we were done. I thought it's not my turn, you know? Yeah. So with, with I, I remember him saying after I'd been there for a couple of days, um, he said, you know, I could be because I was I was saying, like, I felt bad. He had to drive an hour. You know, it takes him an hour, exactly an hour to come from the house to me. You mm-hmm. know, back and forth. He would go to work. Or, no, he actually he took a lot of time off. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, I was like, go home, get some rest. And he said, you know what, Jill, I could be bringing you clothes, bringing clothes to a funeral home. So for me to come here. To see you alive. Yeah, I went to see the car because I had to. I had to do the insurance thing. It was mm-hmm. like you still have to take care of business. They're calling you, so I found where the car was. And when I went to see it, I took pictures. She said, "Get my pocketbook. Get this, that." But all of the airbags were deployed, and in and glass was in everything. All the the windows that shattered. It was mm-hmm. I could hardly touch anything and I had to take the plate off. So I took pictures and I was just frozen that I he saw forgot the, all, he forgot everything the that he headlights was to get. popped out. Yeah. All the airbags yeah. were there. He was so shocked by the, the, the car, the condition of the car that he, j- he forgot everything that he was supposed to bring back. Yeah, I just, just drove off and yeah. I, I left the license plate there. Everything and I was like. Oh my God! Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't realize it either. I didn't realize because I didn't see the vehicle till I saw the pictures. And and then when he showed the pictures, you know, the vehicle was right side up at that point because it was at the tow yard. Yeah. But see the the to see the vehicle and and that car saved my life. And of course, we got the same exact vehicle. What kind of car is it? It's a uh, Mercedes three fifty GLK. Saved your life. You got the same exact one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just like when you you know the reality check of it. When you see that car, you're like, "Oh my goodness, I be dead!" And I keep saying yes. that if I had had the car I had before, I would be dead. Mm-hmm. And when I got the Mercedes, the when I got it the first time, it was kind of an anniversary gift. Um, and I wanted the um, the um, Murano. Yeah, the Nissan Murano. I wanted the a newer, it was a newer model because I mm-hmm. just had one. I was in love with it. He hated it. I was in love with it. <laughs> and 
and I had picked out this souped up kind. I mean, heated steering wheel, everything. And he came up with the Mercedes and I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> and, um, so it was like, but it, it, that's why I had the Mercedes. Cause it was, it was to save my life. I knew that car was unsafe. We had to drive it, the Murano that she had from, uh, Christmas vacation from Boston back down to North Carolina. And it started snowing the morning that we left. Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't feel like I had control of that car for like three states, New York, mm-hmm. New Jersey. I was like, this thing feels like it's going to flip over. So when we had the chance to get out of it, I was like, no, I, I don't want you to have this car. It's just, I don't care how many bells and whistles they put in. <laughs> Again, you sound like so what I bells and whistles. It was a bare bones, but it was a safe vehicle. <laughs> yeah. You sound like my husband. He was like, Yeah, I don't so care was, anything about that. I'm talking about safety ratings. That's all he <laughs> Yep, safety rating. We have a Subaru. I, that's I, yeah, safe, yeah. Yeah, safe. And I'm like, but a Subaru. But that Subaru has been up and down that road. (laughs) What'd you say? Our daughter, she swears by Subaru. Oh, me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a believer. But, you know, I wouldn't mind having that Mercedes, but I'll take that (laughs) Subaru. (laughs) Now you're like, you know what another safe car is? Right. Guys, this has been great. I'm not done yet because I want to know just a little bit more after going through the car accident, having the wind knocked out of you again, that baseball bat and being in Duke um, Hospital and then having to go what they call a rehab. (laughs) Guys, you cannot see her face, but she is shaking her head. Tell us a little bit about your rehab experience. It was horrible. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I was so excited to get out of the hospital because I've been in Duke trauma for 10 days. Mm-hmm. and Actually, 12 days. And when I finally got out, I was like, I went on Facebook Live. I'm like, I'm out. I see like, it. I'm out of jail. <laughs> and then the place they took me to, I was like, oh. it was a nightmare. It was horrible. It was the, the conditions of the building was terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm a veteran, so um, the VA paid for it. Yeah. And we didn't realize we had more options. Um, we were just trying to get out of, you know, you know, when you're in the hospital for almost two weeks. Yeah. You know, you, you're ready to go. You're ready to go on day three. Yeah. You still got, you know, a week and a half left to go, not knowing, you know, every day you think, you know, am I going to go home today? Am I going to mm-hmm. go home today? You know, they're like, no, you're not going home today. So when we finally was able to get out, um, we took the first the first place that they offered because you have to work with a um, like a social worker mm-hmm. or something there who 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 gets who arranges for you to go to your next spot. And um, it was basically a very old 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 nursing home, and the conditions were terrible. I it was the worst. It was the yeah. worst. I was so embarrassed when people would come in and visit me, and I would mm-hmm. just. Uh, and my one of my closest friends, she brought, you know, like air fresheners. She put in air fresheners and all of them. She tried to clean up a little. It was just everything. And it was antiquated. Mm-hmm. I took pictures of the machine to come in that came in to take pictures of my um, x-rays of my fingers. I'm like, there's no way that machine is is even working. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. 
I remember I wanted to come see you um, at Duke and you were like, I'm going to be leaving here soon. I'm going to be out of here. And then after that, it was like, you know what? This makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. So that good attitude that you now know about because you had to learn uh, you have to have a great attitude when you're going through oh, things yeah. like this. You got to oh, yeah. find the funny and the ridiculous because yeah. that place was. <laughs> all, let me tell you, all the pictures of me from the accident, I am smiling and genuinely happy. Wow. You don't see the the sadness like you did with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was, they were genuine, you know, like all my pictures. I'm like, hey, I'm alive. <laughs> hey. No, it was real. It was a huge difference. And. I feel like the, 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 um, like, like I, I felt like I could, you know, breast cancer could have taken me out, but I knew that that accident should have taken me out Mm. and I knew it didn't. So that was, it was, yeah, that was a total different, totally different, you know, mindset and everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how are you guys doing now, Mr. Doctor? Dr. Anthony Berry. <laughs> How's it going? It's, it's, it's a life. We're in a life change, I think. Um, I'm kind of, I don't ever feel like I had the midlife crisis. I didn't mm-hmm. I haven't gone out and got a sports car or anything yet. <laughs> I bought a motorcycle. Um, He's had conversations, though. This, <laughs> this coronavirus mm. came in at the time I was finishing uh, well, I finished in December uh, my PhD work, and it I'm, it was about uh, church planting, and I was wondering how I was ever going to pull that off. Mm-hmm. And it kind of set up like what we're doing now. We were our neighbors uh, wanted to. We're so close in our neighborhood. They said, "Hey, you're a pastor. Why can't we have church social distance in the driveway?" Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at a year, almost a year later. Um, this is actually my Zoom studio where I preach from on Sundays. And I didn't think people would show up after the third week uh-huh. coming and getting email and they're treating it like real church. They mm-hmm. did a pastor's appreciation, which I've not been a senior pastor since I've been in North Carolina. Uh-huh. They, they treated me like a senior pastor. I didn't even know what to do. I was like, oh, for me? <laughs> <laughs> so that that has changed in, in challenges. And I had to learn to let some things go with okay. how kids make their choices. Cause they're older. Mm-hmm. That was a big 24 month thingy for me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I feel like I'm coming out of a, a furnace and I'm feeling good. Um, Life is good right now. Good. Life is sweet. Yeah, it, it, it we we often look at each other and we're like, can you believe this is where we are? You know, we you know, we I mean, we grew up totally different. But when we met, we had the same goals mm-hmm. going forward. And, um, you know, I often say to him, like, can you believe like this is our house? Like, can you believe that? Like, yeah, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. Right, like, you know we've 30 years is a long time and we've been through a lot we've done a lot and and it just i mean we're just amazed and and so appreciative of everything we try and be as humble as possible um i don't think there's anybody more humble than my husband and i try and stay humble myself 
but I just feel like sometimes you want to just run around and just scream like, look, look at what God's done. Like, you know, just like, look at what, you know, what happens when you have faith and believe and, and, and I'm not a Bible beater, honey. I'm not the one to, I'm not, you know, carrying my Bible around, read scriptures, but I, I give every single credit to who it all is because of, and that's God. Yes. Period. Yes. That's why she said that you need to be my first guest of the season two when we start in February. By the time this airs, you've already you would have already been on. So I can't wait for you to be on February third. I believe that is our first date, and um, it's going to be interesting because I love your honest. I love your approach and the fact that I'm learning now that that is your Zoom uh, studio right now. I'm learning something. You have the fresh flowers set up. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) They're always fresh. You see, I just my husband did that for me, so I'm like, can that looks and I, good. That's, that, that's the standard. That's yeah. the standard. We're we're in the process. Let me. Can I turn my camera? Yes, on? yes. Go ahead. We're in the process of redecorating, so we have like uh, those are for his his new office. Oh, yeah. I like. We are redecorating his office right now, um, and the guys coming in this weekend to pull the carpet up, put on floor, put flooring down, you know, paint and. So we've, you know, we pulled everything out and we're putting all new stuff in and we want it to be fancy dancy because I know it's what he wants. Looking at other setups. and I always watch the news to see what, you know, because now everybody's on Zoom and I'm looking yeah. at the speaking like, oh, wow. I'm not listening to the story or I'm the editorial. I'm looking at their setup like, Oh, the white bookshelves are in, you know. It's gonna, it's gonna That's just that. like me. It's so funny because he used to never be, he didn't care about what the background looked like. <laughs> looked like. You know, his, his mission is his mission. You know, you take care of the fluff and stuff. But you know, like, um, you know he, he, I've seen him go out and buy stuff and put up on the wall. You know, he changed it later because he's like, oh, maybe this isn't it. Uh, but then it'll come to the expert. <laughs> and look at where you are, guys are at. Life is so sweet. Jill and Anthony, I'm so happy to have you guys on. We are going to do a live together. Your husband is going to start season two for me in February. I might have to just bring you on too. I mean, you're changing I'll look, how... I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be here. I'll be around. Look, I'm like, turn the camera around. She over there by the bookcases. <laughs> So, guys, I'm so happy to have you here. Stay on for me. I'm going to close it out. The glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. And look how Jill and Anthony are defining their glow. So I appreciate you guys for being in in my podcast. And everyone, enjoy. Sound editing is provided by Josh Masters. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Connect with Chemo Glow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also find more content at chemoglow.com.